Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 102 of Lave Radio, the show that likes to talk about the universe of Elite and the fantastic communities that surround it. I am your host, Colin Phoenix Defire Ford, and joining me in the orange sidewinder for this episode are our health and safety head of department, Ben Moss Woodward. Greetings, Commander DeFord. <laughs> and also in charge of light entertainment, heavy entertainment, and any other weight of entertainment you require, Mr. Christopher Jarvis. Good evening, folks. And we have a guest in the Orange Sidewinder tonight. He was an absolute scourge of the alpha beta tests. Please welcome Commander Snuffler. Good evening. Hello. Good evening. Uh, if you wish, you can join us live. We're hanging out in-game in Open Around Lave Station. We also have the IRC chat channel, Lave Radio on QuakeNet, which can be accessed through the Lave Radio page. You can tweet us at Lave Radio with questions, and I'll try and answer them throughout the show. So, everybody, let's start with our Head of Health and Safety, Mr. Ben Woodward. What have you been up to this week? Oh, mainly this week I've actually been running missions for the Live Radio Network, I have to admit. Um, I've been... I don't know why, but I was sent off by... I can only assume Fozza. And then I went to the Death of Nation system. The guy there was, looked like he was another radio show host, saying, look at me, I'm out amongst all my fans and all that kind of stuff. And then he, then I, he was like, please don't kill me. But I killed him. Oh. I know, I felt bad. I see. Hmm? Well, okay. Um, <laughs> after after that very bizarre uh, mission for Lave Radio, Mr. Jarvis, what have you been up to this week? Yeah, I've also been playing a fair bit of Elite, trying to uh, do some missions for uh, Lave Radio. Um, I'm just taking off, so it's a really bad time to show you. Um, but <laughs> I am actually, if I can figure out where we are here, I'm probably going to get a shot. I am now allied with Lave Radio Network. Woo! Which anyone who's actually been to... Um, Lave station and tried to pick up missions for us. Well, a test that takes a while because we don't seem to get missions very often. So I've taken to uh, flying down to Lave Two and sort of jumping between, um, jumping between all the different planetary terminals and just picking up missions down there because they seem to be a bit more generous. Mm, um, yes. So yeah. Well, there's people out here. <laughs> Give them a wave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Mister Snuffler. It's a long time since we've talked to you. What have you been up to lately? Oh, well, this week I have basically been playing around with my new graphics card, which is a 980 Ti, and my Oculus Rift DK2. Basically playing around with lots of settings and getting an absolutely amazing results out of it. 
Well, we'll look forward to hearing about that because one of our main topics this after, this this evening will be um, the announcement with Oculus Rift. So we'll, if if we'll hold fire on that and come <laughs> back to it, in and we'll be picking your brains on that one. Well, first thing that we've got to cover tonight is that our community goal was a complete success last week, and we'd just like to say uh, a big thank you to Frontier for the help in getting the whole thing into the game. Um, we do know that we've also got to thank the Hutton Truckers and everybody else who contributed to the total. We do know that there we've managed to get to Tier 3, or was it Tier 4? Tier 4. Tier 4. And I do know that we had more than 1,400 commanders all make at least a small contribution. So we've got to thank, well, all of you, but it would probably take me a long time to read out 1,400 names. So I did work out that the average uh, is there for about 80 tonnes per commander, which uh, does mean that, you know, I mean, either people were making lots of uh, runs for us or, you know, people were helping people load up bigger ships with loads of stuff. I mean, either way, that's that's great commitment. And thank you to everybody uh, that's helped us with this. Fantastic. Yep. Um, I mean, I must admit, I was quite in awe when I finally saw uh, the total pass the fourth uh, tier. Um, so that means that Chris at the moment is away, um, second tech forester. He's away on DSO at the moment, setting up the transmitter. Uh, we think he'll be all right because there's no vending machines involved. So <laughs> I don't think they have vending machines on DSO. I think they have a sort of uh, they have like um, they have like those food service really. counters that um, you know that people sort of go and uh, spoon rather tepid-looking cauliflower cheese from. Yeah, that wonderful image you just put in of school dinners in my head for yeah. some reason. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, Mr. Jarvis, you are at the moment running Twitch. Are you running missions, and do you require members of the community to tag along with you? Okay, um, so what we want to do tonight, because we want to continue this thing of having... Um, things you know that the people can do for lave radio network uh on a on a tuesday night basically what tonight is all about is we want people to try and find and pick up as many missions for lave radio network as possible um partly because we want all of our listeners to um uh be you know friendly with us and allied with us that'd be absolutely great um and also uh, to, you know, to try and boost a little bit of um, influence in our system. Now, the other thing we'd also like is we obviously want to encourage people to be playing together. So, you know how sometimes when you look at missions and you think, oh, I'm not sure about taking that on, because like maybe it's, you know, for the sake of argument, maybe you get a mining mission and you think, well, I'm not really equipped to you know find painite or, or platinum or whatever whatever mythical unicorn mineral it is that it's asking for <laughs> what i want to do tonight is because we've got people listening to the show and because we've got people hanging around outside lave um in open um it'd be really good if people could just take whatever missions they can lay their hands on and then we will try for some co-op play tonight to try and get people to link together and um help each other to complete missions i actually it was really interesting because um i got one of my uh, escape velocity backers the other night was in our was in our private group thing that we do and um i was basically trying to defraud an illegal mission so this particular mission from Lave radio network wanted me to get stolen fruit and vegetables and i couldn't get fruit and vegetables so I couldn't. I couldn't find it anywhere to steal it. 
so i just this guy was on and i just said look why don't you buy some fruit and veg ditch it somewhere and i'll pick it up and we'll just we'll say it was stolen do you know what i mean just just between you and me so that's the kind of that's the kind of blatantly illegal gameplay we would like to try and encourage um seeing as lave radio network seems to be sponsoring all the illegal activity at the moment um and yeah it would just be really great for people to just pick up whatever missions they can find like i say if you're in horizons and you can't get anything at any of the uh, orbital terminals do head down to um lave 2 and try things like navigate navigator terminal i found is particularly good for missions um but maybe that was just a huge coincidence no no i agree with uh uh navigator terminal it does seem to be holding a lot of our missions yeah so uh, i mean it doesn't help really with our it doesn't help with our influence at lave station but it will help our listeners to become allied with us so that'd be great yes we want more allies definitely now on to the development news this week now it's it's been a little bit of a uh a dry week this week mostly because that the uh development news that is released on a thursday has been now stopped uh, this is uh, because Michael Brooks would like to concentrate on getting 2.1 out the door, uh, along with the rest of the team. However, there has been quite a few other things which uh, we should kind of point out. Uh, obviously, on a Thursday, um, Zach and, the, uh, and Ed and the rest of the community team, they had Steve Kirby on this new stream they've got, which is everything you need to know. Uh, or join the uh, join the elite, and this time it was about community goals, where um, obviously a, we had an hour hour fifteen minutes of some really decent information, which I, th- I think gave everybody a really good idea of what's happening in the background as far as community goals are concerned. Did anybody else catch that? I caught some bits and bats of it off the ground. Yeah. Uh, do you think it was a good stream? Or? I, thought, I thought it was a very ed- educational stream. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good fun, uh, but I was—I I have to admit, I was. It was basically they do all their streams when I'm having my dinner. So, yes, yeah, yeah. Thank goodness for YouTube catch-ups. That's what I say. <laughs> um, yeah, but Commander um, Zorito on Reddit has gone and summarised all the important bits. Uh, so, if anybody needs to know about the community goals on the Q and A, you can go and have a look at that. Uh, at that, some of the highlights there I did see was that there will be passenger missions coming in two point. Uh, well, was it two point two for Guardians, and they they seem to be fed into the CGs. Geological samples, materials in CGs have been added to a feedback list. CGs being added to the map. All these kind of little, nice little things which we've been asking for for, ooh, I don't know, six months? Or oh, how long has it been since CGs have been not, in the goal? like about a year. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of little additions that seem to be on their way, which uh, I don't know whether or not the CG... I mean, what do you think of the state of the CGs at the moment? Are they, are they enjoyable? Are they, do, they, do they keep you, keep you going? I think one of the things we found when putting together this um, our own CG is that actually at the moment the options are quite limited in terms of mm. you know what we can actually do, um, <clears throat> and it's uh, I think it'd be really really good to have loads of different options and to have all kinds of different things. I mean, we had an idea about we wanted to do um, <clears throat> excuse me, we wanted to do a CG which revolved around bringing stuff back from USSs like sort of like ship 
um salvage or floating debris mm-hmm. or, or any of those sorts of things um i don't you know on the way the cgs are currently set up you can't create that kind of cg so i'd like to see a situation in elite whereby almost any of the kind of mission types or gameplay types could actually somehow you know increase a, C- uh, a cg um and obviously none of us know really what's involved under the hood to make that happen but i think it would just be it would just be good so that it's not just uh you know it's, it's sort of referred to as a jug filling uh, exercise yeah. which is what it kind of is at the moment um and it would be uh be really good if you could i mean like you know maybe it's have a cg to clear pirates out or a cg to um find you know lots of stuff scattered on planet surfaces obviously that would be a horizons only cg but you know in terms of things like gathering stuff like that i'm trying to think of the name of one i should look it up hang on i've got the game in front of me i can look it up (laughs) uh so one of the things like you know like sulfur you could say well let's find as much sulfur on planet surfaces as we possibly can and have some way of kind of um providing those materials towards the cg i think just expands the game and it expands the different ways that people can can play together Oh, I'm I'm seem I'm seem to be having a little bit of difficulty uh, actually hearing you here, Chris. Um, oh, I can hear I'm beginning you fine. To wonder, I'm beginning to wonder whether my Skype's playing up. Yeah, apologies to those uh, who are listening. So what we'll do is we will take a advert break. We will kill this call, and we will hopefully come back. I spend so much time in my Imperial Trader. I find it really hard to meet people. I mean. When do you get the time to go to bars when you're taking on courier jobs for the military? But with VenusDating.com, it was so simple. I just put in my personal details and they found me my perfect match. I really thought it would be difficult, but Venus Dating made it so simple. With so much in common. We both like movies, walking along the beach at sunset. Browsing imperial shipyards. And of course, since we started dating, we've discovered that we both really love... (laughs) (laughs) Shooting Thargoids. Let your voyage begin with venusdating.com for every first encounter. The Federal Navy. We want you for Adventures Unlimited. Just last week I was mixing Sidewinder Slammers at a seedy space bar. I wasn't even pilot registered. And now I have a ship and a basic starting mission for the Federal Navy. Owing to recent actions in the Lave region, the Federal Navy now seeks to recruit another 1,000 entry-level pilots. We need you to add your strength to our military machine. I'm going to see the galaxy. We have missions for all pilots, regardless of combat experience or flight hours. Come and talk to us and we'll get you on the military ladder. Join the Federal Navy. Make a real pilot of yourself. Or die trying. Wait, what's that? Is that that a ship coming? Are they looking for me? What do they... You've flown ships at max speed. You've felt the power of the 30 megawatt mining laser. You've experienced the efficiency of the MB4 mining machine. Wow. But it leaves every hardcore miner with just one question. Why can't I get a shave that's that fast, close and efficient? Introducing the Saracen MB5 shaving drone. It's so smooth. 
combining the power of a mining laser with the convenience of a drone. It's like every hair is targeted by a fighter and destroyed. Saracen's patented shaving drone attaches to your face at the start of the day. Leave it to do its work, and when you come back to check, your face is shaved. He's so smooth. It's like I'm mining my face. The Saracen MB5 shaving drone. Now I feel manly. Saracen shaving, making shaving an unnecessary adventure. Uh, right, the next thing that we we have is a support update from Zach Antonacci, and one of the things that he's talking about is one of the favourite subjects in the community at the moment, griefing. Um, so he thought it'd be a good idea to put up a re- reiteration of the player harassment rules. Now, this is one of the things that uh, has been causing a little bit of um, hassle. Uh, we do believe this. Um, the, the Mobius group thing now has, has calmed down quite a bit, but there's still a little bit of um, grumpiness about in the community. Uh, so he, he says, we wanted to do, uh, reiterate some examples regarding rules of player harassment. If a player has been blocked from a private group or an individual has been taken every step possible to remove a player from their gameplay, then attempting to circumvent this in any fashion is a serious offence and action will be taken accordingly. Uh, Attempt to re-establish contact with an individual who has blocked a player through secondary accounts or other methods. Action can and will be taken about both accounts in question and the main accounts of players we deem to be harassing other players through this method. Now, this does seem to be... um, an indication of people who have decided that uh, they're going to annoy, harass, just make other players' lives miserable by uh, trying to get in contact with them after they've been blocked. So I don't think this one is really to do with the, the major Mobius group griefing, but I think it's useful to actually have this um, posted back up to remind the community that there are these rules. Not- so basically, Zach was saying something along the lines of if you post a video for promotional purposes of you repeatedly killing somebody or so on, whilst it's maybe not griefing kind of sort of, because you're doing this behavior for promotional purposes of your group, it's basically you're doing it and showing that you guys are a bunch of dicks and yes, you are griefing. I think we have to do... Um, a little bit of clarification here about what we consider griefing is. Now, uh, personally, and this is just my personal opinion, um, I consider griefing different from player killing. I I consider griefing to be um, constantly targeted by the same player or group of players who have decided that you are going to be their whipping boy and they will try and whack you down to the sidewinder as much as they possibly can. Apart from the occasional uh, pirate who opens up on you and then uh, blasts you away without any warning, I don't think that is griefing. What I think that is is just being unlucky. Because uh, you're going you're bound to have other people out there who will do that kind of thing. But in my opinion, griefing is targeting of the same people. And Ben, you got a different opinion? No, I've found the quote now, so he's saying, a perfect example of this is deliberately attempting to disrupt public live streams, such as the charity ones. Mm. So, you know, yeah, okay, they're, they're, all they're doing is flying around killing people. Flying around killing people, is, as you're saying, is not griefing. That's perfectly acceptable behaviour, in a limited it, degree. 
Yeah, it, get, it gets you a bounty. They are going to be putting in things which will... Yeah. There's supposed to be more crime and punishment stuff coming in 2.1, so that they should be able to deal with, uh, you know, that through that mechanic. However, the griefing, I think, that they are specifically worried about is when you have groups constantly targeting the same people as if it is a personal vendetta. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just not cricket to be very English, well, very British about it. Moving on from uh, the from the harassment rules and, and dear God, please that definition. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I, th- I think I think at this point we would like to actually say, okay, we're going to put this one to bed. Yeah, that we're not going to discuss it anymore because I think yeah. we've been on about this since n- episode ninety nine, and I think everybody's getting a little <laughs> bit tired. O- only episode ninety nine. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we'll have a special PvP free uh, edition next week or something. Yes. <laughs> ah, right. Um, on other frontier news, um, Planet Coaster has now got a date on the twenty second of March for people in their alpha backers. Uh, so, if anybody has got alpha access to Planet Coaster, um, you better check your frontier account next Tuesday because then then you'll be making people scream a lot. I do believe. So, Chris, how about you and I doing Planet Coaster live next Tuesday then, mate? <laughs> okay, you, you jumped that on me. I do, <laughs> we, we have been discussing. It's one, it's one of these interesting things. We don't. We genuinely don't know how much enthusiasm and love there kind of is for, for Planet Coaster among the, the kind of wider Elite Dangerous community. I mean, there's obviously people who are interested in Planet Coaster because it's another frontier game and obviously we've got used to you know the kind of the, the quality that we expect from a frontier developers game so there are people that are that are interested in the game from that point of view there are other people who are interested in it because they happen to like theme park simulators as well as space um, simulators and then you know and then i guess that there's another group of people who are really into elite dangerous and really couldn't care less if frontier want to make another game about theme parks and what we haven't really figured out is how much of our kind of lay radio listenership um are are interested in in planet coaster so it'd be a really interesting thing uh, if you guys want to put in the twitch chat um are one of you two guys in the irc chat tonight uh, I'm in the IRC chat yep. at the moment. Um, so if people could, you know, tell us tonight within uh, within Twitch or IRC uh, if you're interested in Planet Coaster, or if you're not interested in Planet Coaster, i.e. you wouldn't want us to talk about that on a Tuesday night. Uh, and also if you're listening to this show v- either on the YouTube video or via a podcast download, send us a tweet at Lave Radio or message us on Facebook and let us know whether or not, you know, how you feel about whether planet coaster is something we cover on a on a tuesday night doing this show uh, or whether maybe we do a different show on a different night and you know cover cover just that on, on you know on a different occasion although you know lots of nights of the week are already taken up with elite dangerous live streams so yeah someone said that, that uh, more animal crossing live streams please yeah <laughs> funny enough animal crossing noir is coming back but yeah, it's quite hard to live stream from a 3DS. I have tried it. I mean, we're not going to do, like... I don't have the right plugins to do, like, an official Twitch poll. But do just generally let us know whether you would either like us to cover Planet Coaster on a Tuesday night or whether you would prefer us to keep that to a different type of evening. Uh, so, yeah, that's all. So, uh, have we... Sorry, I was concentrating on something else. Have we said what the date for Alpha is? Yes, we have. Yes, said the 22nd second, of March. 22nd of March, which is next Tuesday. Yeah. Now, we say that means we could stream it 
like next Tuesday, we, we all kind of know what 22nd of March means. It means look forward to playing it on the 23rd of March. <laughs> and that's and that's not a criticism that's not a criticism of frontier it's just that they i think they spend all of tuesday getting the release sorted and then really by the time they release it and then the download servers go mad the chances of us actually having the game set up and working in time for the show i think is quite slim well planet coaster is going to be very interesting even if people are only interested in elite dangerous and they think they couldn't be bothered with Planet Coaster. But I honestly think that Planet Coaster is the test bed for group dynamics and populations that we could potentially see in a good number of years, mind you, could see in Elite Dangerous on cities on the planet. So you go down and they'll be populated with people moving around. You need all of that functionality in there. So what the Planet Coaster is a great way to test it out. I'll just... Uh, point out that someone in the chat room has already set up a straw poll so if you want to go to strawpoll.me slash 709-2253 slash r that will take you to the straw poll of should Lay radio cover anything about planet coaster feel free to have a vote and we'll announce the results at the end of the show what's that number again colin uh 709-2253 Right, moving on. Uh, it seems that the elite devs have actually been quite chatty this week because we've had uh, Sandro on twice today, uh, well, in, in the forums, discussing things about power play. Now, there is this thing in power play called collusion piracy. I do believe it's also considered to be sort of the fifth column. This is where um, people will try and undermine a faction they don't like by joining it and doing bad things against them. But um, Sandro doesn't like it. Um, He would prefer different mechanics in place. Has anybody else read the reiteration of of the collusion piracy? I read it um, earlier, yes. Uh, and, well, the thing you've got to ask before is, is anybody actually playing Power Play at the moment? No. <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't think so. Um, it does seem that uh, some kind of a voting system would go in to help um, degrade collusion piracy. So that this this combination between both collusion piracy and a voting system will hopefully um, lessen the effect However, he did go on, and I quote, uh, saying, and since I'm in the mood for pulling hand grenades, here's another thing to chew on. I'm currently rather taken by the concept of a success multiplier for commanders in open play. This modifier would not improve personal gains for power play activities, but it would magnify the effectiveness of a power's actions, such as expand, oppose, fortify, and undermine. And the effect would probably be significant. Now, he says there's a power play by design encourages player interaction, and F and D wants to encourage that. Power play was always at its best when opposing commanders interact directly. Now, this is quite interesting, because this is one thing that people have been asking for for a while, where open play gets a little bit more of an advantage over people who are just running in their own private groups. I think, I, do you know what, I, I actually think it's completely fair. I mean, I've um, obviously long been an advocate of private groups and being able to play in solo, but I do mm-hmm. think that, I do find it a bit odd that your actions in, in, in solo and private groups 
um, kind of have that much, you know, an equal impact to the overall kind of multiplayer simulation. Because I don't think you should you should necessarily get the benefits uh, of of multiplayer without having the, the challenges of multiplayer. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You should you shouldn't just be able to like run a you know run a blockade by by going into solo or, or those kind of things. Um, I think the thing that's difficult is we all kind of know that the way the instancing kind of works out actually makes some of the game slightly unrealistic. I was watching a video today. Someone someone posted a YouTube video basically about how to avoid losing missions because of scans. And the thing that struck me about it is that actually it's not a it's not a realistic solution. It basically relies on the gods of instancing, where you say, if you drop into a station and there is a police ship behind you, jump out again and back in, and when you come back in, they'll be gone. Yeah. Now, that's not realistic, because in real life, if you went somewhere and there was a copper chasing you and you got away, and then you came back, they would still be there, kind of waiting for you. Um, And then, uh, yeah... And then you'd be on the world's dumbest criminals. Exactly. And I think that's where sometimes the analogy with, with multiplayer and open play falls down, because a group of players could be blockading a station to prevent people from completing a power play goal or a community goal. Um, and whether or not you meet that blockade really depends on how you get instanced. Mm. Uh, and I think that it would it will create a situation whereby people make sure that they wing up with or or friend certain you know are on with certain friends at certain times so that they make sure that their instance gets filled with people who aren't pirates and so i think it will i think it will move the problem i think it will move the problem out of private groups and solo into open but i think people will be manipulating the open instancing in order to ensure that they actually still don't get inconvenienced so what you're saying is you get um like say for instance the hutton truckers all decide right we know that the instance can handle 32 people we're all going to jump in with 32 ships and if we're all in the same instance jobs are good and yeah and you're all friends with each other and you're all in mm-hmm. like you know you're all in how many is that that's math i can't do uh, eight you know <laughs> you're all friends together you form up eight wings of four and you just try and max out max out your own instance to ensure that that you know you don't meet any opposing players mm. yeah I can, I can see the ways that those can be exploited however i mean i i am of the opinion that um i think that open if you if you are doing community goals in open or a power plate in open i do think that you you do risk a little bit more and i think you should be rewarded a little bit more but like i said that is my opinion uh ben I totally not only get what Jarvis is saying and what you just said as well, Colin, but I mean, I think, okay, obviously Sandra is talking about doing this just in relation to power play, Mm -hmm. but I completely think that it also needs to be taken into account for pretty much everything from doing the background simulation stuff to uh, community goals to power play. If you're doing something in open where you've got that risk then just a little bit more of a of a bo- a boost for playing the game as it's actually meant to be played i feel rather than hiding away in your in under your rock yeah but then of course we come to the old problem when people lose their ships and they can't afford to go back to them then uh, they should then... have not they should have had enough money for their insurance yeah 
It's, you know, it's, it's Elite Dangerous, not Elite Care Bear. <laughs> right. On that subtle note... Oh, hang on. Where's my manners? Commander Snuffler, do you have anything to add? Uh, I'm intrigued by the whole thing. I can see the arguments from both sides of it, to be perfectly honest, about people saying, well, open, you've got the the chance of being killed and blown up and your night ruined and everything. But I've played in open since day one, and I don't see it anywhere near the amount of problems that people report. I've never been jumped and player killed. I've attacked other people in war zones and everything, but I have never had any problems myself. And I've seen other people in community girls. And I think the problem is, is if a thousand people have a good time and get on, you only need one person that gets player killed that goes on the internet and puts a post about it. And then everyone thinks that happens to everybody. And I think the safest place to be is in open. I was just going to say, uh, just to represent uh, some of the comments that are in uh, Twitch chat, there's a uh, watcher saying I, he doesn't like the idea of penalising people who want to play in solo. And I think that's a really valid point, because I think there's a lot of players of Elite who came to it from the original version. And I think as well, if you're someone who's into single-player games and you never really wanted Elite to be a multiplayer game, um, it does seem a bit harsh to prevent a person from from being able to fully enjoy a game in in single player i think where this is really difficult is because with something like background simulation or power play or community goals you are talking about something which is largely a multiplayer and community effort so being able to influence that in a solo single player kind of way i think is problematic if you're trying to actually Mm. be fair across the player base the thing that's a problem is that the game doesn't give you similar levers that you can enjoy in single player i mean i've said this before computer games you know generally and and rpgs and quests and these sorts of things are about making the player the center of a story and making them a hero and 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 again i'll repeat what i've said before in multiplayer you can't all be the hero because when everyone is the hero no one is the hero so there aren't things that there aren't levers in the game world that as a solo pilot you can have much influence on other than your own allegiance with a particular faction you know or a local um like a local minor faction um all those sorts of things but you know there's not it, it doesn't give you the same kind of satisfying triggers that another type of game might give i guess is what i'm trying to say like in mass effect you're the guy that saves the human race from the aliens in elite you're the guy who ships 30 tons of waste from one system to another i mean that's <laughs> you know and you only get to feel more significant um, you only get to feel more significant by by contributing to these goals but like i get that it's if you're someone that wants to stop someone else completing their goal it's very hard when your target is playing in a way that is that is basically hidden from you effectively ben but these proposals wouldn't stop the people in solo or in private groups from taking part in the community goal or the power play or even the missions it would just give a slight boost so that you know if you do do it in open then for every ton of waste you deposit 
then it's maybe you instead of going up one percent, you go up one point one percent. Yeah. So it's not it's not stopping anyone. It's just you've taken a bit of extra risk. So here's a wee bit of extra reward. Well, what Sandro is on about here is that he's on about uh, the influence that you do for that reward is actually the the reward itself. If you see what I mean, um, not a financial uh, gain in power play. I don't know um, if you know they've only said this is happening in power play or thinking about it in power play, uh, they haven't said anything about anything outside that mechanic. So, anyway, I think we shall move on to newsletter 115, which uh, came out last Friday. And there was a couple of really interesting little tidbits that they they dropped for us. Uh, And the first one was data recorders. Now, is this just... Like data points on outposts. It does sound like it, doesn't it? It sounds like as well as finding cargo with a crashed ship, you might be able to scan the flight computer or something for intel. But it does, from their description, it does just sound like the data points on outposts just moved out into the wilderness. Maybe not, though. Yeah, I mean, sometimes when you're out there uh, running around in the buggy, it's always nice to find something else to do, isn't there? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I, I don't, I don't yeah. have, a, I don't have a problem with that. I think it sounds interesting, um, but I think from from how they've described it, we don't have any reason to think it's anything other than that. Uh, but it might be something overwhelmingly game changing. Who knows? <laughs> yes, we're going to tell you about data recorders. This is a data recorder, and we'll tell you more about data recorders soon. It does seem to be a soon again. But on other news. Has anybody seen Joe Hogan's Lego SRV model? That's sweet, I want isn't it. it. Yeah, you want it? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've talked about you've talked about this at just the wrong moment because I'm trying to land on a planet. I am absolutely going to show the pictures of the Lego model on the stream, but I am really going to not crash first. So right, keep talking okay, on we'll, land. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll wait. We'll wait. We'll, we'll, we'll go on about Fusion's DCA's video. Um, has anybody seen? Uh, the runner-up for the uh, the video competition that was featured in the newsletter. This one or the last week's one? Because last week was runner-up as well. Was it? Okay, well, it must be this week's featured video. I think it must be a featured okay. video thing. I think they are, yeah. Right. So it's got planetary assaults, sweeping vistas, SRV convoys, and an inspiring voiceover. So um, I must admit, I did see it. And as a video maker myself, I'm very, very impressed when when people are able to do this this level of quality. Uh, what did everyone else think? I prefer this, to be honest, over the official Frontier one. <laughs> That's one. Well, the Horizons one. Yeah, I think I love this one. I think it was so cool. Yeah, I, I I just think he did a really awesome job with it, and I loved the the speech that he gave at the beginning as well. Not him, but I'm assuming it's a fa- it's a presidential famous speech i think though not as not as famous as the we must go to the moon but yeah still a good still a nice little bit Mm. yeah it was interesting i I mean you know as as someone that's done a a little bit of filmmaking in the past i think that i I really liked the other two videos that didn't win over the one that did win um the things that i but what i will say is the things that i liked about the runners-up were things like that i think there were slightly more um the actual camera shots that they went for were more similar to to kind of trailer 
um, style camera angles. I think they were they were shot with a bit more of a kind of filmmaker's eye. But what mm. I will say about the two runner-up videos is that as a trailer, as a as a cohesive two-minute piece of film, um, they didn't they weren't consistent all the way through. So there was one which. There was one which started very well. I can't remember which one it was. It, you know, it started very well, and then the last half of it was actually a very different style and quite disjointed sort of cutting and shots and a lot of explosions and things. Uh, and then there was another one where, again, it was almost like two different trailers. Like, the first mm. minute was one thing. Whereas the one that did win actually had a very consistent concept from start to finish and i think that's one of the things you need to be careful of if if you're producing something which is a a trailer like edit that the whole the whole video appears to be coherent rather than it's difficult because there is a there is a thing you do in cinematic trailers whereby you start the trailer in one style and then there's a particular break and then the trailer carries on very differently i mean if you i don't know if anyone's watching any sky at the moment but the trailer they keep running for dc's legends of tomorrow does exactly that there's this very kind of voiceover led um the first half of the trailer is them setting up all the story and all those sorts of things and then there's this bit where someone pushes a lever on a spaceship and suddenly the music changes and what you've got is a montage of basically fights and explosions and it is something you can do that kind of editing is a very very specific skill around trailers and i think you you have to mark it quite distinctly and be very careful with it and i think that's why you know for me that's why the one that won was the most consistent trailer was because as a whole it it held together but i do think the others had had some nicer cinematography in yeah uh i see that obsidian ant has also managed to reach uh done one of his uh exploration videos which he always doesn't see does seem to find some fantastic vistas there's obsidian ant uh, I must admit, I'm always impressed when I see one of those ones come up. Uh, but do we have the picture of John Hogan's SRV model now? This is, he's got, he's got 10 screenshots here. Uh, so yeah, this is the Lego SRV, and it is a, a thing of beauty. Um, obviously a great deal of thought and kind of design has gone into uh the model. And not just the model, model but the figures as well. There's some nice close-ups of the figures. Um, and there's also, I think that's What's this thing down here, bottom left? Is that like an alien artifact type thing, or is that, yeah, that a data that's drone? that's what I was thinking. That looks like an unknown alien artifact. Yeah, and then he's got a couple is... of cargo canisters here, which is nice as well. Um, yeah. So if we just have a look through some of these images, so there's a bit of a close-up of the cockpit. Nice little controls there under the hands. That's a nice touch. Um, slightly different angle. Nice touch on the... Um, you know, pilot with lipstick. I would say, you know, nice touch on the female <laughs> pilot. No guarantee, just a pilot with lipstick. Um, yeah, you never know these days. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, and there, yeah, there's a nice shot there of the uh, the canopy. And there's oh, and there's the turret on top of the SRV. Uh, another particularly nice touch. Uh, the vertical thrusters. Uh, the back of the SRV, which I confess I've never actually seen. I've never really looked at it, but I do like the little uh, braking lights and stuff there on the back. And there's the two commanders with their sun visors down, (laughs) and there's them uh, attempting to load a cargo canister manually onto the SRV, which frankly I think is what the first person mode (laughs) really dangerous is going to need. Zero zero gravity uh, cargo moving uh, around, I think would be hilarious. But, uh, I mean, that's just a fabulous model. Now, the thing that's great about this, for people that don't know, and I'm probably preaching to the choir here, because I'm sure that the uh, elite community know lots about um, 
lego models and stuff but basically lego have a website where people can propose kits and then the wider public go and vote for them and if they get a particular you know if they get a certain number of votes lego will actually consider making them an official lego kit and i think mm. it'd be amazing to have uh, a lego elite dangerous kit and yes colin i think you're right it is ten thousand, um and i believe the srv is currently on just over 500 so we need to do a lot of work and a lot of sharing to get this thing <laughs> up to ten thousand. yeah um, didn't someone do the same thing with the cobra and the sidewinder put possibly the there is another project on here somewhere um I'll see if I can find it, because when I searched for SRV, two things came up. Um, But we're talking about this at the moment. (laughs) I'll find that in just a second. Um, So there is, if people are listening and they would like to go and vote for this model, if you go to tinyurl.com forward slash Lego SRV, that will take you to this page where you can uh, vote for the SRV model. And I think it's, I think it's well worthy of it. Um, there's a whole year's worth of voting, <laughs> uh, so year? don't expect any, yeah, don't expect any results soon. Uh, but it'd be, right. I, I think it'd be it'd be fabulous if this kit could become official. Not just because it's an amazing thing, which frankly every Elite Dangerous fan should have, but actually having an official Lego Elite Dangerous kit would actually obviously advertise Elite Dangerous quite effectively. Yeah, it boosts um, the profile quite high. Yeah, mind you, it took them ages to get any Doctor Who Lego. So goodness knows. Yeah. Not that it's a sore point with me. No. Here we go. So the other one that was on there, there was an Imperial Courier, which currently has 297 supporters uh, and has 211 days left. Mm. So that's been going since October and has just under 300 supporters. Um, but again, you know, if you if you like it, go vote for it. Um, <clears throat> and I found that by searching for SRV on the Lego ideas.lego.com website. Excellent. Uh, Okay, we'll be right back uh, with the main discussion after this little break. Are you struggling with paying fines? Do you lose sleep in hyperspace worrying about docking at the next space station? If the answer is yes, then you need to call Cowell and McGrath Fine Management Services. I got scanned while in Federation space and was caught carrying slaves. It was an unexpected expense that I couldn't afford on top of my fines for damage caused whilst docking. We can help you consolidate all your existing fines into a single large fine, payable in regular instalments at what is almost a competitive interest rate. I called Cowell and McGrath Fine Management Services and they helped me pay my existing fines before I got a bounty on my head. They really saved my life. At Cowell and McGrath, we've helped thousands of pilots whose fines had spiralled out of control. I dared not go near a police star system. got so desperate that I'd almost resigned myself to a life of piracy. Luckily, I found Cowell and McGrath's services before I actually murdered anyone in cold blood. No fines too big, no criminal record too damning. We're here to help you, no questions asked. Find us in the Lave Business Directory. I'd got into debt as a result of a massive counter-lawsuit by Watt and Pritney. It happened because I'd taken advice on Python protection insurance from... Wait a minute... It was you! Carolyn McGrath. Minimum liability, zero accountability. Warning. Balances may go up as well as down. Missed payments may lead to repossession of your ship, seizure of cargo, or the issuing of a death warrant. And we are back. Thank you. And uh, we're going to move on to our main discussion topic uh, for the evening. Uh, And that is the news. 
that Oculus Rift and Frontier Development have both announced that Elite Dangerous is a launch title with the Oculus Rift that will be coming later this month. And so for the uh, reason for this, we have brought in one of the community's Oculus Rift experts, Commander Snuffler, uh, in order to talk about this. Commander Snuffler, you have been working with the DK2 for quite a while. Um, are you, have you got a, a, a commercial version on, on order? I have indeed. Uh, I placed my order within a few hours of it opening, and I believe I'm supposed to get it delivered the first week of April, which, unfortunately, I don't think I'll have it for Elite Meat, so that might annoy some people. <laughs> Why, too busy skiing? Uh, no, it just won't be delivered yet. Ah. Oh. Yeah, that that would be that would be a problem. I take it you were relieved that they are actually releasing the Ocu- that that they've they've sorted out the SDK problems. Then, it, yeah, it was a bit touch and go. Well, certainly the community thought it was, uh, but the frontier kept things close to the chest and really didn't let on much information on why it wasn't being supported after the runtime six and. A lot of people, some people have cancelled their orders because of it, because they don't think Elite are going to support it, Frontier are going to support it. Uh, I hung in there because I thought that Frontier will probably pull out all the stops to try and support it because it's in their best interest. If they if they didn't support it, it would hurt Frontier, I think. Yes, I mean, I must admit, my experience of VR has been limited to the, the Google Cardboard, or rather the, the Colour Cross, which has uh, been... Uh, uh, improving over the last six months with the better phones and so on, but um, this is a specifically designed kit. I mean, is the what's going to be the main difference between the commercial version and your DK2 that you've got at the moment? Uh, increased resolution. Mm-hmm. I believe it's two thousand one hundred and sixty by twelve hundred. Higher refresh rate. I think it's ninety hertz now, rather than seventy-five. And it's an OLED display. So I'm hoping, I haven't actually tested one or a Vive yet, but I'm hoping the improvements make all the text instantly readable and take away all of those little niggly things that people have problems with their DK2. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that uh, a really top-end graphics card is actually going to give you a better picture and a better experience than just getting uh, a CB1. Is that because basically, um, well, the, the signal is being uh, generated by your graphics card and then pumped into the, into the headset? Now, obviously, um, their base is what a 970, a GeForce 970, or is, is do they recommend a 980? I believe it's a 970 is a minimum spec. Yeah, now, I had I had a 970. I bought one last year, and I could run. Elite on ultra settings on my DK2. Mm-hmm. It looked brilliant. The only problem is you got a lot of anti-aliasing and flickering with mm-hmm. it. And about a month ago, I built a, an X99 rig and I put a 980 Ti in it. And what I've done now is gone to the NVIDIA control panel. It sets the resolution so it renders at 2760. It then downsamples it to 1920 for the Oculus Rift. And then I've set super sampling at two times two in the ED control panel, and it removes all aliasing. It makes your text instantly readable. And when I did it last week, it was like I had the CV1 in front of me. 
Wow. I wish he bought a nine bought a nine eighty Ti last year. The difference was night and day compared to the nine seventy to the nine eighty Ti. Like I say it was like I had the new headset already. So I'm really intrigued at what the new headset, the actual CB one, is going to be like running on a nine eighty Ti. Yeah, because the the DK two at the moment, um, it obviously its specs are nowhere near as good as as the the CV version is going to be. So. Um, they reckon that that's the main reason they've been able to downgrade the card. I'm not sure on that point. Ben? I think for any for any virtual reality going forward, you're going to need certainly with the the 900 series, you're going to need the higher end end cards going forward. You've got the Nvidia Pascal coming out in a couple of months' time, potentially higher end cards, maybe beginning of next year. They are going to be a lot faster and hopefully it will make people's VR experience a lot smoother and it might bring a lot more people into the game as well since at the moment you pretty much need a high-end spec pc and a graphics card which prices a lot of people out of the market certainly with the cb1 being a lot more than the dk2 just wondering snuffler i know obviously we're talking about the nvidia cards do we have any idea what the amd stuff is <laughs> I'm the wrong person to ask about AMD, I'm afraid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I think we could we could ask the, our friendly people in twa- uh, in Twitch, <laughs> in Twitch, and in chat. So well, I'm, I'm actually asking. Yeah, I'm asking on behalf of Commander Lucius on from IRC chat because right. I have to admit I don't know, and nobody's answered him there. Yeah, it does seem that everybody seems to be um, fitted, uh, fixating on the uh, NVIDIA cards, and I'm not sure what the AMD equivalent would be. I mean, one thing to point out about the uh, Oculus Rift is it's a completely different client for Elite Dangerous, isn't it? Um, they've said that uh, they'll be releasing an updated build, which will contain support for the latest SDK, available at no additional charge. All existing and future customers that have an Oculus Rift consumer headset will be able to use it. Um, I'm taking that's a, a free code from the Frontier Store, similar to how the Steam keys work, uh, and then you're able to download the latest, uh, the latest client, and, and off, and off you go. What I think it actually is, Colin, is it's very similar to how the Steam integration worked. Actually, it's the same client. It's just. In Steam, you can launch Elite Danger from within Steam. With the Oculus Rift thing, you can launch directly within their Oculus Rift store. So you don't need to go into Windows, double-click on Elite Dangerous launcher and so on. You just load the game directly from well, from your VR. And also, IRC has come in with some answers, and they say, Commander Kerlock from IRC, Kerlek from IRC, is saying basically anything with six, co- six cores or better. So that would be an AMD R9 20, to, uh, AMD R9 290 or better. Right. Well, I, th- I think I'll have to check the uh, the prices or the graphics cards going forward. Um, now, the Vive has also been in the news this week because Curry's PC World have been saying that they're opening the HTC Vive demo rooms this week. Uh, what does everyone think of that? Well, I'm actually quite happy because I live around the corner from the one in Leeds. So I will be certainly popping down to the Leeds store to have a play. It'll be my first time looking at the Vive. So I'm intrigued to see how it compares to the DK2. You think you'll bring your rig along and say, can you plug this game in and see what it looks like? 
uh, my home, my rig's expanded a bit. I think it's uh, it's not leaving my room for a good few years. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, those are uh, flagship stores in Leeds, Tottenham Court Road and Reading. Um, I'm afraid Leeds would probably be the closest one to me, so I'd, I'd, I don't think I'd, I'd make a trip over to Leeds specifically to visit PC World. I'm not that kind of, uh, <laughs> not that kind of desperate. Uh, I mean, just, it, it is just off the M621. I think, I believe it's Crown Point, which is about half a mile from the M621, just off the M62. So it's relatively easy to get get to yeah um yeah i know that i know that junction quite well because that's because it's got the uh, big cinema in it ben oh I, I think this is a bloody brilliant idea i mean i don't know how htc managed to get pc world to do it or if pc world approached HC, htc but i think we can all say from ev- everyone who's ever sat down at a vr station that's been properly set up they just they automatically just go wow and then the next step is like I needs it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think I seem to be about the only exception to that rule. I have to admit, uh, but yeah, most people once they've tried it for even five minutes, they just like they 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 love it. It's such a gr- and it is a really good experience. Um, I mean, it it is very very pretty. It's just for me, it's just not quite practical enough. Chris, but, I mean, you've you've used the DK two that seemed to do the live radio tour, haven't you? I have, and and um, is it like uh, what Ben was saying that you know you put it on and you go, wow, yes, I I want this. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the thing that makes me, uh, I, I think the thing that makes me a little bit unsure about it is because I I used the DK two before we had Horizons, mm-hmm. and. Um, I found I needed to drastically reduce my quality settings and resolution in order to get the kind of smooth frame rates that made the DK2 comfortable for me. I mean, I really can't you know, express enough. I'm someone that struggles quite a lot with motion sickness, uh, and I found unless I was getting a good 60 FPS when I turned my head, it would make me feel a bit motion sick. Um, although I have to say that taking uh, travel sickness tablets called Joyrides also helped an awful lot. <laughs> um, that's just the wrong name for those tablets it's weird isn't it, it's weird but it's, it's the travel sickness tablet that I find helps me with my sickness the most um, and uh, so that that's one thing that I had to, I basically had to drop my resolution and drop my, my quality down to about 720p and then reduce some of the um, you know the, the sort of rendering settings Um when Horizons came out, I found that my own personal rig has has taken quite a performance hit on planets, like everyone else's. I think it's, you know, my frame rates drop when I'm on the surface. So I'm not sure what I would have to actually lower my Elite Dangerous settings to in order to make Horizons comfortable, in, you know, in a DK2 or anything like that. So it's, it's something I am excited about. Um, and I do think that it is one of those things that when you try it, particularly in Elite, you do think this is something, this is going to be the future of my gaming. And I definitely think, for me, that it is. Um, but I would say, for me, it is still the future. <laughs> because it's going to require another PC rebuild when I've got some money to do that, plus the money for the headset. So I think for, you know, the casual consumer, it's maybe maybe not this year, maybe kind of next or the one after, unless prices for stuff really comes down or, or, or you know, performances. I mean, who knows how much the 980 will be 
say, in another year's time. Yeah, 20, 2017 does seem to be the year that I might take the plunge on this one, mostly due to financial restrictions. Um, I mean, I must admit, um, David Braben has been uh, running around quite a, a lot of the uh, technical podcasts. He was on the Wired podcast a couple of weeks ago describing how they developed Elite Dangerous for the Oculus Rift. Um, and all the experiences that came with it. So, um, if you go back a couple of weeks on the Wired pro, uh, podcast, you can you can hear his his thoughts about that. And he's also talked to Ars Tec- Technica about uh, the whole process as well. Um, one thing that I I will say is that um, lately, um, someone pointed me in the direction of a. Um, a streamer called uh, Tribal Instincts, and he tried out. Uh, he's got a Vive uh, proper production version, one of the first that, that's come off the line, and he's been trying out all these these demos. And one of the things that really surprised him was he went out and got the uh, Elite Dangerous Arena. Now, he the reason he got the Arena and not the full game was because he thought that the demos that they they, they showed at um, at, at some of the places, at some of the shows, uh, didn't actually inspire him. Uh, mostly because um, it was the... I, I'm not quite so sure, but I'm sure someone will be able to correct me on this, that the, the demo they were showing was the Sidewinder versus Sidewinder fight. Now, when we remembered it, that was in the middle of an ice field. But in later versions, it's in the middle of space, which didn't show it off to its best. What do you think of that? I mean, do, do, does it need to be, have a little bit or more of, of something to grab you apart from just a one-on-one fight? Yes, I think it definitely does because the whole point is you're sitting there in this glorious environment going, oh my God, it's so pretty. Basically, for the demo that I did with the Vive, it was doing the training missions. Mm-hmm. So we started out with the, oh, shooting up the, the canisters, canisters. In, the, in the asteroid field. Yes. And that was in the asteroid field, and then it went on to the Sidewinder and so on. Mm-hmm. But I have to I can't remember if it was an asteroid field or where it was. It's just like, a, okay, yeah, that's fine. I'm doing the same missions I've seen every time. But I agree that it was not showing the game to its best potential. Um, and yes, I think flying around doing a CQC match, apart from the fact I'd be, you know, I'm at a demo, I've sat down at Elite Dangerous, I've got this joystick with 50 bazillion buttons on it, I'm plugged into a machine and I can't see what the hell I'm doing, and I've got to fight things, so I'm just going to be thinking, what the hell am I doing? Well, I must admit that this uh, Tribal Instincts guy was pretty much the same as you were, as you were just saying, Ben, for his first mm. game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, yeah. and what seemed to happen was that there seemed to be uh, an environmental click. And I think that was because um, because the controls mirror what they d- what you do when you move your joystick. You can see that your pilot's hand move in exactly the same way as you do. It, that kind of helped connect the player into the experience. So I reckon it took him a day, a, a game, maybe a game and a half, to get his eye in. And then once he got his eye in, I'm surprised he didn't give himself a neck injury. He was throwing his head about that fact. So, um, yeah, if you want to go and see that, go have a quick look at Tribal Instincts on YouTube. Um, it, it is quite funny. And also it goes and shows the vibe with a whole load of walking around demos as well. So, yes. Now, Mr. Snuffler, I mean, you're obviously looking forward to the... Um, the Oculus Rift, which part of Elite Dangerous do you want 
to experience in the Oculus Rift first? I'd have to say, say flying a crate. <laughs> but, but something tells me that's not going to be possible. <laughs> okay, uh, um, right. Who I, had I actually won that read... 15 minutes? There, there was a book running, and when you'd mentioned the crate, and uh, <laughs> I think one hour 15 is, is, is somebody's, somebody's talking. But carry on. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, every aspect of Elite Dangerous is just spectacular in the Oculus Rift. Even just flying past an asteroid is just beautiful. Uh, what I actually like doing at the moment for no reason other than just flying is flying down to a planet and flying through canyons and doing barrel rolls. Just spending 20 minutes just doing nothing but flying. It's just beautiful. So I, th- I think I'm going to, when I get the new CV1, I am going to do that. And once I've done a bit of canyon flying, I'm then going to go back and kill a few people. That's a, that sounds good. Will you be will you be streaming or, or capturing this this experience for YouTube? No, you can't. I don't. I've never done a stream before, and I've never done a YouTube video. And one problem when you use the Oculus Rift is you can't record it. Oh, now there's something I didn't know. Uh, I think you can get your other screen up with Elite Dangerous with changing the config, so you get like uh, you can see what people are seeing, but it's the two circular images. Oh, so right. Playing yes. it back, it, it doesn't save it as a, a normal monitor image. And uh, I, since since getting my DK two, I can't play Elite Dangerous on a monitor. Ah, uh, I see. It doesn't work when I play it on the monitor. I'm in my office with a cup of coffee on the desk and a keyboard. When I put the DK2 in, I'm, I'm a million light years away in a spaceship. There's a <laughs> massive difference on, on immersion. So, yeah, Oculus Rift, I'm afraid, it ruined certain gameplay for me on a monitor. Mm. Yeah, I must admit, without the without that kind of extra bit of immersion with the head tracking, I find it a bit difficult to play Elite Dangerous. And I'm getting spoiled thanks to ED Tracker. <laughs> I had to go one step further. I had to go get the flight seat and the hoitus, and I've just put a very large uh, subwoofer under my flight seat on the stand. <laughs> so when I boost, the whole whole flight seat and the joystick shake. I think it annoys my neighbours because I think their house shakes as well. But it certainly feels good. Well, as as a as a as someone who who is going for immersion full force, we salute you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I've killed three three devs so far by mentioning the I word. <laughs> so, so Ben, Chris, have we got anything further to add about the Oculus Risk Rift? Not personally, but I'm not necessarily the expert on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just that I- for me, I've always wanted. I want more than the Rift. I, if I'm doing, if I'm doing VR, I want full on immersion. You, you, want, you want the groinal attachment. <laughs> Either he wants a groinal attachment or he blooming wants the matrix. So, you know. <laughs> we'll just stick a knife in his head with a wire at the end and see what happens. But what pixels, Jarvis? What pixels? Yeah. Uh, oh, can I just put on a personal note uh, a call out to Galactic Midden? Um, ASMR. I'm not quite so sure that I can be considered <laughs> ASMR. Um, so, would you kindly bog off with the ASMR? Thank you mean, very much. Does that mean we need to do the rest of the podcast in a whisper, really close to the microphone? I don't know what this let me do. Okay. Yeah. 
I yeah. need to get like a crisp packet or something and just <laughs> rustle it really nearby. That was specially for you. Grant. Asked for that galactic <laughs> You asked for that. Right. The next thing that we'd like to discuss is we have noticed quite a lot lately is 24 hour streams, charity streams in particular, have actually seem to be a bit of a fashion statement at the moment. Everybody, including yourself, Chris, has, has done one of these marathon sessions. Uh, and uh, yeah. Ian, oh, here we go. I, I love it when people give me names. I can't. Hans Karenko. Thank you very much. So, Ian Hunch, uh, I can't even pronounce it when you tell me. So, Ian, thank you for your question. The question for the team, with the rise of the popularity of 24-hour charity streams and the advertising in the newsletter last week of a race requiring approximately 38 hours continual flight time in a two-day period, I put the question to you that should Frontier be promoting such events despite their inherent health risks and chance of negative press? such as the numerous game edition articles in professional and medical journals and less professional tabloid newspapers. I'd just like to add that last year's Voyager winner did it in 40 hours with a two-hour nap. Now, I think for this, we have to turn to our head of health and safety here. Frontier aren't telling anyone to do this. It's only the community who want to do it themselves. If you're stupid enough to do it and to play a video game without moving for 50 hours straight, then it's your own bloody fault. Take responsibility for your actions. <laughs> okay, that's a view. <laughs> I'm sorry, all right. Full Yorkshireman mode here. Right. <laughs> you, you do what I say, otherwise. <laughs> right. Um, now, it says here, probably one of the craziest endurance challenges is the second annual Frontier Voyager Challenge, which starts on the 24th of March. Now, this is the one which starts from, where is it, Sol, and you've got to get to um, Sagittarius A? No, it's starting, it's basically it's following the journey that the, US, the USS Voyager from Star Trek took. Oh. So, it's starting out somewhere in the in the... Is it the beta sector in Star Trek? Oh, I've got no Gamma, idea. Gamma I can't remember. I gave up um, halfway through Deep Space Nine. <laughs> it's, it's, somebody's worked out that basically they, yeah, the station that they get pulled to through the wormhole is over in over there, and then they go off and basically travel back to the bubble. Uh, they're not actually travelling back to Earth, which I thought was a bit of a shame, but they travel back to the bubble. And instead of it taking 70-odd years that Voyager was meant to do it in, somebody managed to do it in just under two days. I see. Can you, what they're saying here is, can you make 60,000 light years in under 40 hours? I Oh, that's, that's mind-boggling. I mean, is anybody nuts enough to try this? I think we can safely say, yes, there are. I mean... No, I mean, out of the four of us. <laughs> oh, none of us. I, I'm not. Um, I can't that weekend, because that's when, in, uh, ironically enough, Insomnia Gaming Festival is on. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be doing that with my son, and we will be not be doing it for the full 24-hour periods. We'll be, you know, I think he gets kicked out at, at least at nine at night, because um, then it turns into the, the more adults content and things like that yeah i see so uh, going back to the go on, sorry, go, well, i just want to go, go to a question really about the the charity streams i think there's an interesting point about the rise of 
the kind of you know the big sort of multi-hour events i mean it's some of it's coincidental with elite dangerous and some of it is just because of something you know i kind of come on to but i mean obviously elite dangerous does take a while to do anything because of the huge scales involved so something like a 40-hour race you know it does make sense um but i think in terms of things like charity streams like when i decided to do the escape velocity fundraiser as a 12-hour stream i think you want to in in an environment where people are streaming all the time and i can sit down if i sit down and play my pc for an evening there is nothing stopping me just sticking on obs and just streaming me playing a game for an evening and actually there's and and what that means is in an environment where it's very easy to share your gaming experience a one or two hour twitch stream of an of an evening um isn't an uncommon thing for anybody to do lots of people are doing them there are lots of shows and i think if you're trying to create an event and you're trying to create a sense of anticipation and to get people together for a particular stream you do need to do something like a 12-hour stream or a 24-hour stream just to make it bigger than the kind of thing that you do on a week-by-week basis now i'm not saying that's a good thing um if you look at like charity telethons throughout broadcasting history things like you know comic relief children in need they haven't needed to do like a 24-hour broadcast um although i know people have done 24-hour broadcasts on on their own as kind of fundraising for those but the point is they have quite a lot of media coverage and marketing pull and they can generate their evenings fundraising as a big event that people are aware of for quite a few weeks leading up to it and then they back that up by saying well okay we're going to do a three or four hour show on a friday night but look at all these celebrities who are going to come and help us Mm. Uh, and i think that's the thing with streamers we're not necessarily like i'm not in a position if i want to do a fundraising stream for escape velocity to get loads of celebrities in the studio for like a two-hour stream of an evening because i just you know with the best will in the world i'm trying to raise money in order to get actors into my studio (laughs) so i think there is a tendency to to think now well what can i do in order to make my stream more noticeable and that is you go for these big marathon events now interestingly escape velocity was funded within like the first two hours of my 12 hour stream but would people have shown up and been excited by the event if i hadn't set it up as a 12 hour stream in the first place if i just said i'm going to do a two hour stream on a sunday come and support escape velocity i don't think i'd have got the crowd that i did gather but it's a valid point i think to say that actually encouraging that as a way that people do streams i you know i don't think i don't think sitting and doing a stream for 12 hours or 24 hours uh, is necessarily particularly harmful but i, I have read articles which i'm not going to say a fact because i i don't have my hands on the kind of official sort of scientific uh, you know any of the research that's been done into it but there was one particular article i read that actually when they did some heart monitoring of people playing video games they found that actually your blood pressure and your heart rate increases a bit when you're playing a computer game so a lot of the instances i think where people what this article was saying is that where people have uh, have died playing kind of there was a particular article about someone who died after what they called a a, a 14-hour gaming marathon. Is it just me? Or sitting and playing a computer game for 14 hours, I don't consider to be a marathon. I mean, before I had Eden, <laughs> that was called Saturday. 
right and, and on the basis <laughs> that you can survive for three days without drinking water i'm amazed at anything that can kill a person in 14 hours just by sitting there so my, my suspicious hat you know is on um but nevertheless i think if there is a link between increased physiological levels and playing a game and sitting and doing it for 24 hours then actually maybe encouraging people to do lots of marathon streams it's it's untrue to say that if if a person sits down and does a stream for 24 hours they are going to affect their health but it might be true to say if you ask a hundred thousand people to do a 24-hour stream that one or two of those people statistically might end up with issues it's really difficult to judge but i think it's whether or not the question was about whether frontier are right to be promoting such events it's kind of the zeitgeist i mean it's what people are doing at the moment and i don't think frontier necessarily have a you know a moral standpoint or a non-moral standpoint in terms of their support of it i think it's very difficult to know from the medical research whether doing these kind of events is dangerous um and i guess you know more research is needed but i mean it's worth pointing out that there's a there's a famous bicycle race in that takes place in france yes yeah and actually quite a lot of competitors die doing that so anything really that you're doing 24 hours uh can exert stress on your body so for example i think it was alan shearer was it last weekend or two weekends ago didn't he play a 24 hour 40 hour five-a-side football match in manchester in salford uh, in the past, I've done a 24-hour badminton match with only an hour, half an hour break the entire time, I think. Uh, How would you no, no one died. No one got hurt. But I think if you take that, like you said, mentioned statistically, 100,000 people. Out of 100,000 people, how many people of them just randomly are going to die tomorrow? And then you take, then you've got upscale, like to say, 5 million people. How many of them are twitchers? What's the chance? The probability goes quite high that someone in a year who's done a long stream might die as the numbers get higher. So I don't think there's anything yeah. particularly wrong with doing a, a stream for 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's a valid point because when these tabloids go on about, like, you know, such and such went, went out of his house and killed three people, and when the police searched his room, they found video games. Well, of course they found video games. Everybody plays video games now. It's no exactly. longer this niche hobby that only, like, 0.2 of the population do. The chances are, if you have someone who's gone out and shot someone, that they have played a game or seen a movie or read a book or done any of those things that people do because they are a person. Well, I think, I mean, definitely you're right, Snuffler, about the whole statistics. Li- well, was it, was it lies, damn lies and statistics? You know, that's one of the, <laughs> one of the things that was taught to me back, back in the day. I also saw what... Um, oh, Vega was like at the end of his 24-hour stream what Ed was like at the end of his 24-hour stream, you know, yeah, okay they did not do any long-term physical damage to themselves but by the end of the day, they were fucked you know uh, Vega went off and face-planted a bowl of of, of, what's it Ed looked like he basically just was ready to collapse I mean, even so, the hair gel was flopping a bit there, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Yeah, not so shiny. So, yes, it might not kill you, but you're still, you know, you've been up for 24 hours, plus whatever you were probably doing before then. So, yeah, I think you're allowed to be a bit shattered. 
Well, on the subject of charity uh, streams, there's been another one lately. We've had Mad Dog and uh, Kate Russell do one over the weekend for uh, Mankind. Um, they, they raised, I think it was over £2,500. So even though this is one of the things we're discussing, we still got to salute them for, for a, a fantastic effort. Um, it must be pointed out that I think a lot of the people who do fall over and die while playing long game marathons normally have been neglecting their health in the first place because they've been playing these kind of games for a long time. And um, a lot of, I think a lot of warning signs have been missed in, in cases like this. However, we would just like to say, uh, as an official announcement, remember to fly safe, Commanders. Make sure you take regular breaks, look after yourselves, and be sensible with any long play sessions. And that means you don't have to actually sit down there with a catheter. But it's true that, I mean, you do forget to do basic things. So I've been in my studio today working, and then I've stopped and gone and had dinner and then i've come back and do this podcast and i can say with some degree of certainty that since two o'clock i've probably drunk i've had two drinks you and get that's some just, water I, you. I know i'm feeling it i'm feeling it at the moment like i haven't had enough to drink but that's just you know and and that's just regular day you know kind of day-to-day living if you're sitting here for like however long doing something you do need to remember it's i know it's annoying like when you're playing on your 3ds and this thing from nintendo <laughs> comes up that says why don't you go outside and get some fresh air you've been playing for 10 minutes and you think god oh, get stuff nintendo but on the flip side it is important to remember to do things like get yourself a drink go to the toilet and all those sorts of things um because you know dehydration does i think increase blood pressure weirdly <laughs> Well, dehydration actually destroys your performance by over twenty percent if you only if you only lose a pint of water. Yeah. If you if you're not at your optimum. So I mean you know. imagine how great this stream and this podcast would be if I'd actually had a second glass of water today. Yeah. I'd be on fire. Oh, but if you had a seven or eight pints of water it would also kill you. <laughs> <laughs> it's everything is moderation. Yeah. So there's here's you saying that if you have a glass of water you're on fire and the irony well, yeah. Right. Yeah. Ben? Now, I totally agree with what Jarvis was just echoing there, because yeah, I always start every episode and I make sure I've got my water bottle full. Um, so, you know, it makes sense. It's just like, have drinks and snacks ready if you're going to do something like that, I guess. Okay. Well, with that, we'll take a quick break and uh, come back with the Community Corner. Always with the breaks when I'm trying to land on planets. Okay. <laughs> my timing's impeccable. Hi, I'm Trent Stephen Findlist Jr. and I'm here to tell all you pilots about a great new service. Take a listen to my friend, Pete. My name's Pete and I'm a long distance haulier. I drive a Puma shipping farm machinery from Leasty to Sawayo. I love my family and I don't mind being a hard working blue collar dad, but I'm tired of seeing my family grow old in front of my eyes. Every time I make the run there and back I lose 15 days in hyperspace. My family is starting to notice that they're getting older and I'm not. My wife had a baby last week, did a week of shifts and now my kids got teeth. I wish there was some way my family could get old at the same speed as me. There is, Pete. How? By buying into my new service, Findlist Cryogenics. We aim to put the freeze on the premature ageing of your family. The process is simple. Our unique family centres allow you to drop off your loved ones on the way to work. Simply hire the number of cryogenic pods you need and keep your family asleep while you fly among the stars. We ensure synchronicity with your flight patterns so they spend the same time awake that you spend in the cockpit. And when you get home, bingo! Your family is the same age as you. 
never lose family time in hyperspace again. We guarantee that you'll never miss another birthday, anniversary or funeral. Wow, Trent, that sounds great. Where do I sign? Simply put your credit card details into our special webpage under the hashtag WeFreezeYourLove. We'll take care of the amounts, no need to worry about that. It's so simple. I can't wait to keep my family in a secure block of ice. It's a weight off my mind. Findalist Cryogenics, now at your local spaceport. Findalist Cryogenics, because the family that grows old together goes cold together. And welcome back. Now, we're going to quickly run through a lot of the highlights in the community that have happened in the last week. I've, I've, um, got, a, I've got a very quick uh, in-game request, if we're doing okay, Labor which is like, I have an option of picking up a pay night mission, uh, but I am not kitted out for mining. So if anybody in the Lave vicinity who is listening to this show uh, has, uh, I think, one tonne of pay night is, is all I need, uh, then let me know and I will come and meet you and use it for this mission thank you very much there we go uh, always always helpful with our call outs um right well what we'll start with today is that microsoft have actually announced something which could affect both xbox users and pc users they have decided uh, to announce that they would like to support cross-platform play between Xbox One Windows 10 games that use Xbox Live. Now, there's also been indication that they would like to include the PlayStation Network in this. Now, obviously, this could mean um, the joining of the Xbox players and the PC players in one wonderful instance, so you'll never know whether or not the person you're flying against is on a Mac a PC, or an Xbox. What do you think to that? If it's Horizons, it won't be on a Mac. Okay. You just had to, just had to draw <laughs> had it. had to go that. there, didn't I? Yeah, sorry. There's those guys, that, I mean, you've got to feel sorry for the Mac users. I mean, admittedly, it's not Frontier's fault, but you still have to feel for them, because, you know, we are talking about a lot of stuff on <laughs> stuff, <laughs> no, um, a lot of stuff that they're missing out on, and, uh, you know, but on the Xbox thing, I think it would be an awesome thing. I, I, I've been on the Xbox One forums a little bit as well, and you know, they're wanting to play with PC users. PC users want to play with the Xbox One users. You know, who gives the monkeys what you're playing on? Let's just all play together and have fun. I think it's an extremely good thing. It can only be beneficial, but it does bring along some other questions. Uh, people with PCs obviously have bigger setups. They have Hoytus, Oculus Rift. Mm-hmm. People who use an Xbox have a controller. So, personally, I could see that as a disadvantage. Actually, I I would say in in some ways, having played CQC, I, I on the both the Xbox and uh, and live PC, I would say the don't knock. The, the Xbox players with with their controller, I've seen them able to pull manoeuvres which um, I didn't think would be possible uh, using that controller. Uh, so I think we'd be in for a pleasant shock. If yeah, you I'm, not, I mean. I'm not knocking the skill of Xbox players, but with a PC you've got other things like voice attack. So there's so many controls in Elite Dangerous. I could do with another 30 buttons on my Hoytus <laughs> dedicated controller on my flight seat. Uh, 
So they are limited with what we can do, and ease of doing it, I think, is the important thing here. Certainly with things like voice attack, you utter a word and it does it in the game. And Xbox, they don't have access to that type of tool set. Well, yeah. I mean, I must admit, that might, there might be a whole lot of, uh, what's the what's the debate called? It's the PC master race versus the console kids or something death like that. Um, but personally, I would like to, I would I would like to fly with people who are on their Xbox. It would be nice to be able to to uh, basically team up. Obviously, Horizons is going to have to come out on the Xbox. We know that's in uh, um, in progress. Um, that was on one of the um, the Mayhem events a couple of weeks ago. But um, yeah, I, did anyone take this announcement? Take them by surprise. I was just going to say. I mean, yeah, okay, Snuffle. So you you know you've gone off and. But so I would guesstimate your kit is probably what about two thousand pounds worth of hardware, plus say seven hundred for your Oculus Rift and things like that. Let's say yes. Let, let, okay, let's say yes, and let's not <laughs> tell, tell the missus. Um, <laughs> so you know, but so you're you're definitely playing on the high end of the PC scale. I think the Xbox players are probably playing very similar to the normal PC player, shall we say, where, you know, they may be playing it on a laptop or they're playing it on a machine that's a few years old. You know, they're getting 30, 40 frames a second, maybe even 60, but they're not playing it at 90 frames a second on an Oculus Rift or in 4K and things like that, um, let alone having it on a, on a Haltas. Yeah, a lot of... I play a lot of games using my console controller as well, and a lot of pe- a lot of people are playing Elite Dangerous using an Xbox One controller plugged into their PC. Mm-hmm. I so, had to do that for a while after when my uh, X52 broke. So, yes, I, I can I can see that it, it certainly has its advantages. I also have to ask Snuffles, what is a hoitus? It's a posh version of a hot ass. It's from Leeds. They don't do posh. <laughs> I'm from Middlesbrough. <laughs> oh my goodness, Blade Runner country. <laughs> well, the next thing to mention is um a street oh, is is Nico Mac who managed to do a 15-hour flight um using some flight assist off of actually a takeoff from a planet in real time. He's managed to compress the entire flight into 3 minutes. Uh and I must admit has anybody else seen this video? Because it is something beautiful to see. I've seen it. Oh, I missed that. It's awesome. It's, um, we'll link it in the show notes for everybody else, but it's an awesome video. And it's just it's yet another example that we see that keep cropping up that actually Elite Dangerous is playing with real physics. So, like, we saw that person um, in the... Oh, in the docking port ring and the centripetal, the yeah, that the force pulled the ship down to centrifugal. To no, it's not centrifugal. It's centripetal or something like that. I think it is. Ah. But I can't pronounce the word unless I'm not thinking about it. And it's the same idea in this video here. Gravity from the moon is pulling their ship towards them. So they've they've got off. They've got the initial momentum going to the sh- to the moon, and then the moon's gravity is actually accelerating them faster and faster towards the 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 planet actually from the moon. 
and it lets them basically they ran out of fuel if they they actually they did it the first time round with their pet, their engine running the full full on the, all the way, and they ran out of fuel halfway through and he came out came back dead. So this time round, he just turned everything off and let gravity do its thing, and he made it with most of his petrol in his cargo in his. In his, tank. In, his, in his petrol tank, and he made it, and it was all fine, and I think it's great. And it looked very pretty, too. Well, moving on, uh, there's been a request on uh, Reddit from uh, Lutel of Mahara, um, who's a merc for hire, and he's put in a, a, a request at Frontier for the, when the beta for engineers comes along uh, at the end of... Is it the end of May or, the, or during mid-May? When it comes. When it comes. Soon, yes. Uh, he's made put in a request that, as far as the beta is concerned, uh, we put in a request that you know everything is available at every station, regardless, so all restrictions are off, so anybody can buy any weapon, regardless of what faction it is it is cling to, just so that they can test it out. Um, I must admit, this is something that I would agree with, because... The, in previous beta tests, it's been a case of, oh, and that means I've got to grind with this faction until I get the get the weapons that I want to test. Um, and does this seem a little um, common sense to you guys? Are you just talking about beta? Uh, you're just beta. Oh, yeah, no, I think that would make sense. Uh, unless what you're testing is that the ships show up in the right places. <laughs> which obviously you would need to test by doing it separately but yeah no it's a bit you know it's a bit like um when i was recording uh the sound effects for the elite audiobooks an, an awful lot of my time was spent actually just trying to figure out where to get my hands on these ships and then flying to the places in order to get them so that i could record me flying around in them uh, <laughs> so yeah it would be it would be nice if during beta they, they were just all available um I think it, I think it's pretty logical to be honest. Okay, Snuffler. I actually don't think they should all be available. Well, not all at the same time, anyway. I think for the first maybe three days of beta, you should have variants of pulse lasers, and then three days later it changes, and all you have is variants of multi cannons. Because otherwise what people do is people don't actually go through and individually test each weapon. They just go, oh, which one's the best one to use? I'll get that. And then they just go off and play beta and report any bugs. They don't actually specifically test that weapon and bug, bug test it. So if you force them to everyone to only have a certain weapon, you'll get more bug feedback. That is a very, very good point. Thank you for bringing that up. I think, I think Ben's just given you a high five on the, on the chat room for that. Um, next up, uh, I'm pleased to say that Dave Hughes and his Elite Encounters RPG has got a release month, a release date. It looks like he's aiming for it to be released uh, sometime in July, hopefully before LaveCon. Um, now, for more details on this, pop over to Selizen's stream. Uh, or the RPG updates, and you'll be able to find out where he is with the progress. But fingers crossed, we'll have it for LaveCon. Uh, we do know that he's sending up uh, beta copies up to Elite Meet for people to have a run with, uh, but progress is is happening with, with that project. I do believe that's the really the last of the original Kickstarters which are still to be resolved. 
I was going to say, I hope he is um, sending it up to uh, Elite Me because I think I'm meant to be running a game. So it's going to be a quiet game if it doesn't get sent up. Ah, right. Fair enough then. Dave, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, on Friday, uh, on the Elite One and Elite Dangerous Reddits, we have our own Alan Strangard doing an Ask, Any, uh, Ask Me Anything uh, session. Has anybody actually been uh, seeing one of these Ask Me Anythings? Because... Uh, they seem to be coming all the rage at the moment. Yeah, I've I've never seen one live. I've I've read up on a few sort of afterwards, but I've never actually been there when it's happening. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, um, so just to make you aware, our own commander, uh, commander of Lace Station, will be taking part in this AMA on this Friday. So if you've got any questions about, um, basically the background, the background of Elite Elite Revolution, his book. Uh, sorry, Lave. Oh God, I'm going to get killed for that. Lave Revolution is book. Um, please feel free to join in. Uh, and another AMA that's happened lately has been um, a spotlight on the freelancers. Um, now this is an Xbox only. Um, well, a, a group, player group, um, and they've they've been uh, involved quite a lot lately. Again, this is on the Xbox One Reddit. Uh, an addition. The, and we'll give a, another shout out to the. Uh, there is apparently a war going on between two player factions on the Xbox One. Uh, the Tri-Cated Collective is now at war with the Church of the Space Cat. Um, so, if anybody would like to get involved in a bit of genuine PvP uh, on the Xbox, um, you can join us on Inrada and the Council of Tri and sign the following declaration. So. Get in contact with the local representative and uh, see how you do. And it, I must admit, if, as you guys noticed, that the Xbox um, community does seem to be picking up and getting into these big player groups lately. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. think, uh, what I'd be interested to know, I'd actually be, because I've, you know, pre- previously to getting back into PC gaming, largely because of Elite Dangerous, to be honest, um, mm. I would I would have much preferred to have had uh, Elite on a console. And I wonder how many people started off playing Elite on the PC because it was the only way to play it, but have actually now moved from PC to 360 just because of the kind of the lifestyle benefits of actually sitting on a sofa with your family rather than in my office at a desk. <laughs> just say Just say Well, so we do like the Xbox people. Um, if, if, if you want to actually talk, uh, I'm starting to put more... Um, questions for Live Radio up on the uh, Xbox One Reddit. So um, if you do have any feedback on the show, feel free. We're not a PC-only um, podcast. Both me and Grant have the Xbox version, and we, and we do drop in from time to time. Now, moving on to community questions, we have a couple uh, of questions, which is... I don't know. Sometimes you think the, the, the community is, is the best it can, and then you get some of these questions... Um, so Commander Smuggalo asks, I'd love to hear the cast try an impression of someone, not a discussion I know, but aha, 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 aha. Uh, my response to this is, no, you pillock. Has anybody else got anything else to say on that? I want me baby back, baby back, baby back. Babes. What was that supposed to be the impression of? <laughs> Fat bastard. Okay, yes. Okay, it's just it's just me being myself, but so what? Oh, that's like okay. that was like that was like worst Scottish accent by a person who is actually Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
as done by Mike Myers. Yeah, you that's uh, that's his excuse. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry. As a fellow Scotsman, you you oh no, you should, you should be called English. <laughs> Monkey bones. He asks, which is the more valuable asset, a five A plus fuel scoop or a really big gas tank? For the record, for the last year, with a really big gas tank, I've finally switched to a B6 fuel scoop, and it is so fast. But it makes me nervous that I get stuck out in the fuel in a brown dwarf desert. What's your thoughts on this? <laughs> no, I actually, I got told off the other day by somebody, because I said I don't own a fuel scoop on my current ship. And they were like, oh, you should never fly without a fuel scoop. But I don't, I very rarely leave the core, because I'm sort of, you know... B- spend my time buzzing around the old worlds or or, or flying around doing kind of location scouting for escape velocity i don't really go very far from civilization so if i if i run out of fuel it's really only because i've done a long trade run and just haven't been keeping an eye on the fuel meter it's not because i'm going anywhere you know uninhabited so for me i'm not really a good person to ask because i i don't even own a fuel scoop (laughs) i just i just have what i have and i just refuel when I get to a station. Is that really bad? <sighs> yeah. I don't think that's bad, no. <laughs> I must admit, I can't get to leave station without my fuel scoop. I think it depends what you're flying, to be honest. Um, I know in my ASP, for example, I can get from Lave to Sol and not need to worry about petrol. On the other hand, in my Ferdelance, yeah, I can get from Lave to Diso and worry about my petrol. <laughs> Surely the Fuddlelands isn't that bad. It's not that bad. I think it's got a jump range of about uh, 14... I think mine is it's about 14 light year range, and I can get about four jumps out of her without having to scoop. <laughs> yeah, better than my bloody courier, I'll tell you that. Mm. Anyway, well, we'd just like to make uh, a couple of shout-outs then. Um, we'd like to shout-out a special thanks to Commander Count Von Base and his loose crew who helped the Lave Radio Network community go by spending time loading the bigger ships. I mean, thanks also to the Hutton Truckers for sterling work in loading those bigger ships as well. So, um, we'd also like to thank uh, anybody who is playing in-game with Chris. Is there any noticeable people that you'd like to, to give a salute to? Yeah, I do a bit of a shout out for Justin Time and Daddy Buddy who've winged up with me and we're just helping with um, with missions. Uh, we uh, had we picked up a mission at uh, Navigator Terminal to go and kill some sentries. Uh, so Justin was was helping me sort of scope out POIs. Um, although unfortunately for him, I think I had a mission to destroy three sentries and he had a mission to destroy four. So we found a POI that had three sentries for me and then he's been flying all around Lave 2 trying to look for that last elusive sentry. Um, <laughs> oh. Oh. But yeah, we've had, we've had a few slight wing issues with disconnections and stuff, but uh, hopefully other people in Lave have been going and doing missions and helping each other. Unfortunately, we're a bit short-handed tonight, so I haven't been able to coordinate things as well as I would have liked, but thank you if you've taken part. I'm sure we'll do it again another week. Okay, I mean, we'd also like to thank everybody in the IRC chats and the Twitch chats. Um, Sterling works saying uh, hello to you all again, but I'm afraid that is it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at Lave Radio, Facebook 
and at Lave Radio on Twitter. You can join the Discord chat channel by going to http tinyurl.com Lave Radio. You can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out to chat on laveradio.teamspeak3.com and Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday at half past eight and streamed out on laveradio.com slash live. Well, thanks to uh, Commander Snuffler, Commander Edlerweiss, Commander Thane, and uh, my name is uh, Phoenix Defire. So, until next time, fly safe, and if you can't do that, fly dangerous. I'm going to see the galaxy.